Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, we are going to be doing a little bit of pre-draft coverage and taking a look at a lot of the developing situations throughout the NHL because a lot has happened over the past 72 hours. We are at this stage basically waiting for quite a few developments to unfold as the league readies itself for tomorrow's draft, which could have franchise-altering implications for a number of teams. And of course, Winnipeg is going to be in that bucket because not only are they drafting 10th overall potentially, unless they trade it or something, but they're also thinking about trading Patrick Laine, which I think we all know is, is something that I personally am very against right now, but I'll talk about why this is sort of a personal issue for me later in the show. Before then, we'll talk a little bit about some NHL news, and the first piece of news is that we have a couple of buyouts. I think the first that is going to really be not that surprising, but maybe a bit disappointing, is that Henrik Lundqvist has been bought up by the New York Rangers. This move isn't a surprise. I think we all know that Lundqvist's time in, in New York was already coming to an end, but I feel like it's just like the end of an era, you know, for obvious reasons, this is a personally painful moment for a lot of Rangers fans. And I think for NHL fans in general, seeing him kind of nearing closer to retirement and certainly the end of his New York Rangers career is a bit of a turning point in in really the Rangers' legacy and in this era of goaltending. I think, for me, Lunkovist is one of the most consistent goaltenders this league has seen in a very long time. He has, year in and year out, been one of the strongest members of the New York Rangers squad, and oftentimes he was never really given a great hand in, in terms of the uh, the sort of defense he was dealing with and the guys in front of him. So I'm really impressed by his career numbers. I feel like he did so well despite what kind of defensive work he was getting from his teammates like Mark Stahl and quite a few guys that at this point I've already forgotten because I don't even remember who exactly has been on that rotating cast. I mean, their defense right now is okay-ish in the sense that it's technically better than Winnipeg's, but you know, obviously Truba's not really a defensive stalwart. They've got Adam Fox who's trying his best to carry it, but he's also not really being used in the top pairing role right now. And until recently, Mark Stahl was one of the veteran members of that blue line. You know, Tony D'Angelo is technically uh, another one who would be classified as a veteran, but at this point, I think we kind of understand that he's also not really defensively attuned. I, I just feel like, you know, Lankovist for many years was very underappreciated. And I feel like a lot of the New York Rangers playoff success is kind of attributed to the fact that he even got them there in the first place. Now, he did tweet that he still wants to play and he still wants to win. And so there are a couple of destinations where I feel like Lankovist immediately makes sense. Washington and Carolina have been two of the more interestingly rumored uh, locations and destinations because both teams have a goaltending vacancy. You know, for the Caps, it's a backup spot. Although in this case, I feel like they might actually give Lundqvist a starting role to make Samsonov's workload a little bit easier. Samsonov is obviously very good, and I feel like he is probably closer to starting, uh, you know, in the near future. But the Caps also have to be wise about how they essentially allocate his workload. And Lundqvist actually fills a significant need because if Samsonov isn't ready to take on that starting role and can't run with the reins, then you have a guy who you know is a proven NHL caliber starter, uh, essentially an amazing one throughout most of his career. So I feel like the Caps really couldn't lose in this scenario. Even Lundqvist at maybe 60 to 70% or 80% of what he used to be is probably an improvement on their backup situation. I think the question is, what is he going to be asking for in a contract? And hopefully not too, too much, but the goalie market this year is probably going to be a little bit weird. Aside from the Caps, the Canes are also a team that's going to need a goaltending change because I think Peter Morozik is okay, right? 
Alex Nadelkovich may be okay at some point down the road. I don't know. Hard to say. I think they also have James Reimer, but all of these options are probably not quite on the level of a guy like Lundqvist. I think if you give Henrik a, a better defense and a better offense, like we have what we see with the Canes, I feel like this is a match made in heaven. Now, I think the big thing that maybe goes under the radar is, at one point, somebody brought up this point that a lot of defensive systems often have specific ways that they interact with their goalie on the ice. And whether or not Lundqvist would actually work well with the Canes' defense, you can never know uh, 100%, but I feel like it's a pretty good bet that, you know, if he goes to Carolina, I think that that's a really good match, and I feel like the Canes will have cap space to work with, though they probably do need to shed some salary first. But, of course, all of this is really dependent on whether or not Carolina trades for a guy like Line. Carolina is probably trying to diagnose what exactly their primary weakness is, and I, I think for me it's going to be, obviously, goal scoring. I feel like that is one thing that they still need a little bit more of a boost in, because while they can be offensively talented, they do lack a little bit of goal scoring prowess up top, which is kind of strange to say about a team with Sebastian Ajo, Table Teravainen, and Andrei Svechnikov, but aside from that, I think Laine would certainly be a transformative presence on that team. All of this being said, though, Lundqvist might be a little bit cheaper of an option. He'll be a free agent, and he also doesn't exactly have a, a huge long-term contract looming on the horizon. If Carolina is trying to be a little bit more budget-conscious about how they try to attack their problems, then maybe trying to go for a Lundqvist solution and hoping that the goaltending carries them over any of their other lapses may end up being the safer option. Speaking of doing the safer option, the Pens opted to buy out Jack Johnson after not really finding a partner for him that would be an acceptable guy to try and carry him, because to be honest, Jack Johnson really can't be carried. He's a below replacement level D-man who obviously was pivotal in kind of undoing the pens during this postseason. Obviously, I think the coach shares a lot of blame in playing him as much as he did, but by the same token, I feel like Rutherford made a pretty poor deal in trying to bring him in. As bad as it is to say this will be addition by subtraction, you know, they, they will have a little bit of Johnson's cap hit sitting on the books, but of course it's it's not like having him on the ice, and I feel like that for the Penguins is going to be the biggest win. And again, I don't really like using the word win in this kind of scenario, because I think Johnson in particular has had a very tough past couple of seasons. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago that his family ended up stealing a lot of his money, and so in a way I do kind of root for him, but... I think that at this point, the best option for him is probably to either go to another team on a cheap contract or maybe consider hanging up the skates. I don't know if he's going to get in another deal, or maybe somebody does and they feel like they can sort of turn him into some kind of third-pairing wonderkind, but I think at this stage of his career, we all kind of know where he stands. He's probably not going to improve all that much, and I feel like... You know, he may be AHL caliber, but I don't know much more beyond that. I don't even know if he would qualify as a decent seventh defenseman, especially when there are guys like Anthony Batetto and a few other players like that who will be sitting on the market for cheap. You know, for as bad as Bolu has been throughout the past couple of seasons, I would still take Nate over Jack Johnson, which says a lot about where Johnson's play is. That aside, of course, I do feel a little bit bad for Johnson. I feel like throughout his career, he's gotten the short end of the stick in a lot of situations, but hopefully he has been paid enough to kind of settle down and get more of a living, and maybe maybe now is not the worst time to get out of the sport. There's a lot of uncertainty in the NHL's future going forward, and maybe taking a break from hockey and, and kind of hanging it up and spending time with a family is a better option. Speaking of Hanging up the skates, up next we will talk about a certain Philadelphia defenseman who has also decided to maybe consider putting his career aside and focusing on, on the stuff after hockey, but before then, I thought you should know a little bit about Roman. For many men, talking about erectile dysfunction can be a very uncomfortable and embarrassing discussion. 
Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I've lost my mojo, or we try to avoid it altogether with excuses like, I'm just not feeling it or I've had a long day at work. But with Roman, it's finally easy to talk about it. You can speak with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is super simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Talking about ED used to be difficult, but with Roman, there's finally a real solution so you can get the care and treatment you deserve. During quarantine, trying to pick what you want for dinner can be a really challenging process, especially when you're trying to balance managing your house chores, satisfying everyone's desires, and keeping things under budget. If you're looking for a fast, easy, and convenient solution to finding what you want for dinner, DoorDash has your answer. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is super easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to spots or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, choose your favorite local joint, and your old standby favorites will be left right at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app at the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Support your favorite local restaurants and save money. Order with DoorDash today. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about some pre-draft coverage and some news that has come out of the NHL over the past 72 hours. Quite a few things have changed around the landscape, and I think one of the bigger things to happen is that the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are now going to be without Matt Niskanen, as he has decided to call it quits and retire at the age of 33. Niskanen, for a long time, was a very reliable top-four defenseman, especially for the Penguins and Caps, but over the past couple of seasons, he definitely started to show his age a bit. I feel like the end of his stint with the Caps was pretty poor, and I was starting to wonder if he was ever going to be able to recover form. When he moved to Philadelphia, he actually started to look a little more like his old self. I thought he was pretty good for the most part, and he was definitely an important contributor on that back end. The decision to retire has definitely put Philadelphia in a little bit of a bind, which is not exactly a bad thing, right? It's definitely good for Matt to call it quits, but for the team, it can be a little bit of a tricky situation. They are thinking about re-signing Justin Braun for, I think, a couple of seasons, and obviously Braun is a fine, you know, probably third-pairing defenseman with maybe a little bit of second-pairing upside if you're in a bit of a pinch, but I think the most ideal situation is that Shane Gostas Bear starts to take over that second-pairing role that Niskanen has now vacated. I think if you've got a top four of Sanheim, Proverell, Myers, and Gostas Bear, you're probably thinking things are all right. They've got Robert Haig for the third pairing, and they can certainly find some other seventh defenseman or a number six to fill in that final gap and have a fairly okay blue line. Some would probably contend that it's actually a very good defensive unit, and I think that there's a pretty solid argument that it's one of the better younger units in the league. Where things start to get a little bit dicey for the Flyers is now they don't really have a big trade ship for the Jets, especially if they want in on Patrick Laine, which it sounds like they've been very aggressively seeking out that option. My mind kind of drifted to Sandheim being one of the most clear candidates for Philadelphia to offer in a deal with like a Morgan Frost or another high-end prospect, especially if they were thinking of bringing Laine in for that top six. Niskanen retiring for me kind of 
nixes that just because I feel like Goss Despair is now going to be a much more important contributor with Niskin and gone. They could still surprise me and trade Goss Despair plus, you know, away for a line A, but I, th I don't think that that option is really going to be a thing because I don't think that the Jets are going to want Goss Despair in particular. For them, I think they'd be looking at Sanheim or Bust in a package deal, and I don't think that the Flyers want to give up Sanheim, and certainly now that Niskin is retiring, they're going to have to think twice about letting Ghost Bear go too. For the Jets, this might not be great, especially if it means the Flyers are now going to back down out of the trade negotiations because suddenly there's a there's one less suitor, which means teams that know that the Jets are a little bit under the gun to make this deal are maybe going to start circling and lowering their initial offer. I don't think that this is actually going to happen just because, again, Line A is kind of an exceptional talent, and to be honest, I really don't think the Jets are as urgently needing to trade Line A out of Winnipeg as the media has made it seem. I know that he does have a year left on his contract, but if their decision is to try and drive up his trade value with one more season with the Jets where they try to rack up his numbers and get him into a more, at least, attractive spot, then I think that that option is totally fine boost his numbers, get him for one more season, and then see what happens afterwards. But if they're not really sure what they want to do, then I think that's kind of where you get a little bit of trouble. The Jets, whatever they do, need to be really decisive in this because ultimately they're trading away a franchise piece. In the next segment, I'm going to talk about why for me personally this is very difficult and why I feel like Line A leaving is going to create a lot more issues for the Jets long term. But certainly in the short term, this whole Niskin and retirement may have a little bit of implication for what happens with the Jets. I also think that the Flyers were probably one of the best matches in terms of what they could offer Winnipeg. Philadelphia, in my mind, is probably in win-now mode. I mean, you look at that roster and they were, at some point, a little bit of like a Stanley Cup favorite. I mean, obviously they weren't exactly huge favorites because they had to go through the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I think most of us expected that not to end too well. But of the remaining Eastern Conference teams entering that playoff bubble scene, the Flyers had one of the hottest regular season records. And so it was a little bit surprising that they struggled as much as they did, in part because I think Elaine Vigneault thought that the team needed to play a more conservative style. Obviously, that plan didn't end up working against the New York Islanders, but Laine might be a real solution to that because he often brings this really rare shot to the team, especially on the power play that the, the Flyers just don't have enough of right now. I think that you can trust Laine to be a bit of a two-way transitional player with a really great shot, and that element brings a lot more threat to a team that is still very offensively potent, but maybe doesn't give Vigneault the confidence to just let them run. Maybe bringing in a superstar winger like Patrick would change that. I don't know. Vigneault's kind of an odd coach sometimes because he has these moments where he's great, where he's tactically brilliant, where he gets this full offensive pressure and high-octane hockey that I think really suits the way that Philadelphia's roster is built. But other times when he enters the postseason, he wants to shell up and become this defensively resolute team that doesn't really score a whole lot, but doesn't concede much either. I just feel like that's the wrong approach, especially to take with a team that is as talented as the Flyers are. If they bring in Line, a, they really need to open their game up, and I feel like Line a would be a perfect option to feed the puck to. You put him on the line with Couturier or Giroux or anyone else, and I feel like Line a is absolutely going to shine. If there is a deal to be made, I kind of do hope it's with the Flyers because Line a seems like a perfect fit, and I feel like the Flyers are one of the only teams to have the kind of assets to give the Jets in return. Uh, something that would be satisfactory in my mind. We'll know soon enough, but I, I think that that kind of ends where I'm thinking I'm going to be positive about the Line A trade, because for me, this is a really frustrating moment in Winnipeg franchise history. And up next, I'm going to tell you a little bit about why, as a fan, this is just a, an especially confounding sequence of events. But before we get to the dour stuff, I thought I'd talk a little bit about a more positive thing, and that is breaking your daily walls. When I wake up in the morning, I always dread getting to work and thinking about all of the different tasks and obstacles that lay ahead of me. Getting a nice injection of caffeine, protein, and good flavor gives me all of the drive to get going. That's why Built Bar's brand new product, Built Go, is the perfect replacement for those unhealthy energy drinks and sugary overpriced coffee shop drinks. 
They conveniently come in one and a half ounce packages and provide you healthy, great tasting, natural energy. Built Go comes in three flavors, including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Every pouch combines energy gel with collagen protein. It also comes loaded with beta alanine, B3, honey, and a little dose of caffeine, so it's perfect for pre-workout supplements as well. And when you need that extra kick to break down walls all day long, Built Go is also loaded with vitamin B6 and B12. It's like a five-hour caffeine shot without the subsequent crash. To get started with your first Built Go set, visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing tonight with a little bit of a sadder note about Patrick Laine, and I feel like we all at this point have more or less accepted that in some capacity, Laine is not going to be a Jet for much longer. I don't know when it's going to happen. I have a feeling it's probably going to be before tomorrow's draft or during the draft, but you know, I think Laine is probably done here, and I feel really disappointed because for me, Laine was going to be the face of the franchise. You know, you can talk about his on-ice impacts and the fact that he is one of the greatest natural goal scorers the league has ever seen. You know, you'd have to go back to Ilya Kovalchuk and Alex Ovechkin first making the scene to find guys with a similar release. But for me, he was also just a really entertaining player, and I feel like his his deadpan sarcasm, his easygoing personality, and just the general package of the fact that he's very confident without being too arrogant, I just really love him. He's like a perfect kind of player that you could build a team around. Now, obviously, he's not like a game-changing center in the same way that Braden Point or Connor McDavid are, but for obvious reasons, I think we all love Patrick Laine. He's one of the most gifted goal scorers I've ever gotten to watch. He wears the Jets uniform well. He's really fun when he's got any amount of space to exploit because he's got perfect vision for great passing. He's got really nice stick handling, and generally speaking, even though he is a bit of a slower skater, I don't think it's held him back that much. You know, for the most part, what he brings is a really lethal shot, really underrated playmaking skill sets, and improving defensive acumen. A lot of the things he still needs to work on are things that he has already improved upon since the past couple of seasons, and I feel like the ceiling for him is just quite high. I feel like we have yet to see what Patrick Liney can truly become at this level, and it's going to be a shame that he does it in somebody else's uniform. If you're Winnipeg, I really feel like this just doesn't reflect well in your organization. The Jets are a team that has trouble attracting talent, right? We know that free agents don't tend to choose the Jets unless they get paid a little bit extra. That UFA tax is always something that hurts Winnipeg because, let's be honest, the guys that they've signed on free agency don't tend to be that great. That the Jets have to pay them a little bit more to convince them to come to Winnipeg and not be particularly great is kind of a, a bummer. You know, you look at Dmitry Kulikov as being one of the bigger signings the Jets have made over the past couple of seasons, and for most teams, he's probably like a really decent third-pairing defender. To see Line a kind of frozen out like this and not really given the kind of support you'd expect a franchise goal scorer to be given is just, I don't know, it's baffling. This whole situation feels like it could have been avoided, and I, I get that Maurice has his tendencies and he likes certain players, right? I understand that. But I feel like the decline in ice time for Line over the course of this season and the way he was used without giving much support on the power play just doesn't really make sense. I feel like Winnipeg has torpedoed its own asset by continually making his tasks a lot harder. Now, while that has grown his game in ways that I don't think anyone anticipated, it's also made him a lot more likely to leave. If I felt like I'd lost my spot to a guy like Kyle Connor, who is a very talented player but maybe doesn't bring the same kind of game that I do, one that I might view as a bit more well-rounded and impactful, then yeah, I'd probably want to walk too. The really noticeable dip in ice time towards the end of this season for me kind of confirms what seems to be going around, and it's the fact that Liney is not going to be around for much longer. I know Winnipeg is trying to save money, look at the long-term cap situation, and try and get as much for him as possible, but I really feel like, as a fan, this is really shameful. I, I mean, as a Jets fan, I just feel very disappointed in the team's approach to this, and the fact that they couldn't make it work, 
I don't get it. You know, I, I feel like they didn't do enough to really support Line A. Patrick grew his game by leaps and bounds over the past year or so, and yet somehow that's just not good enough for the team, and I don't know what it's going to take for them to recognize that the moment he leaves this squad, he's going to score 50 goals. I don't even think it's going to be that hard for him because he's going to move to a functional power play, he's going to have better 5v5 line mates. I just don't understand. You know, Shifley, I thought he might have a better season last year. He didn't, and, and I think that we're kind of seeing a noticeable trend where everyone's shooting more, but they're not actually generating many great offensive opportunities. It's just a really weird colliding of philosophies and statements and, and public intent that doesn't really seem to align with what's happening underneath the surface. For lack of a better word, the Jets are a massive disappointment. Their downfall from genuine cup contender a couple of seasons ago to being a lotto team this year is just... I, I can't imagine how we've gotten to this point, and now we're going to lose one of our most talented goal scorers, and I'm not really sure that the return is going to be worth it. We're kind of in a down market. Line A had reduced goal output because no one could pass to him on the power play with any sort of pace. And then their solution to Brian Little's absence is to get Cody Eakin, and that's the line that he's going to play on. So, you know what, if you're Patrick, I feel like you, will, you do want to change the scenery. This just isn't acceptable. Where is this team's commitment to winning that we saw a few seasons ago? Where is the cap spending? Where is the good acquisitions through trades? We're not seeing any real movement that I feel like has massively improved the Jets in any particular capacity. I love the Dylan DeMello trade, but now he's due for an extension and it sounds like the Jets and DeMello are very far apart in negotiations. If Winnipeg fails to even get DeMello signed, I don't even know what we're doing with this offseason. We're kind of looking at a team that's stuck in neutral and I don't really see a way out. And is trading Liney really going to fix this team? I don't know. I, I get that we have wing depth, but trade Connor first. You've got guys who are worth more and probably a little bit overrated. Instead of trading the guy who's probably going to be one of the defining goal scorers of this current crop of players, maybe look to trade somebody who is very good at what he does, but maybe doesn't have all of the elements that make him a complete forward. At this stage, though, I think we're past the point of no return. When Sheveldayoff was asked about the trade today, he didn't even downplay it. He just sort of gave a vague answer like he always does, and there was no real pushback on the fact that Line A isn't going to get traded. To me, at this point, it seems more likely than not, and I think as a fan, I just feel very upset. I thought Line A was going to spend most of his career in Winnipeg, and now it feels like we're watching yet another Kovalchuk and Solani, because that really went well the last time. I'm done ranting though, we have the draft tomorrow and I'll probably have some live reactions, especially right after Winnipeg picks, so stay tuned for some post-draft coverage, hopefully Winnipeg doesn't disappoint me and hurt me more than it already has, and above all, I just hope we don't trade away one of our most gifted goal scorers and somebody who I actually get excited to turn on games to watch. Please Winnipeg, find a way to make this marriage work, I love Lionel, we all do, and it's really a shame that it has to come to an end so soon, but again, I said I was going to end the rant, I need to end it before I get any further, thanks so much for listening, before you log off be sure to check out some of our locked on affiliate shows we have plenty of draft coverage coming from some of our top 10 pick teams like the ottawa senators the anaheim ducks our rangers podcast you name it we've got a show for you so be sure to check out the entire family of locked on podcasts thanks so much for listening have a great night and go jets go